Good morning. Today, happy Chanukah. Today's daf is daf Lamates. Today, um, we're going to go from about 11 lines from the bottom of Lamaches Hamud Beis, 38b. And what we were discussing yesterday, I mean, well, the start of it was if a Jew's ox scores a non-Jew's or the other way around. And then we moved on to a kuti, which we said depends on how you view a kuti. Are the kutim, are they valid converts? Um, therefore, they Jews, they just serve up a Zorah, or were they invalid converts and they basically non-Jews? So we brought Rabbi Meir says that um, that if a Jew's ox scores a, a Kuti's ox, he's exempt, and if a Kuti's ox scores a Jew's ox, whether it's a Tamar or Muad, he pays full damages. So that's the exact same halacha as a non-Jew. So we see, so that's why the Gemara says, Is this to say that Rabbi Meir holds that Kutim are Gary Arayos, that only converted to get out of lives, and they weren't real converts? So he says, Very minu, we raise the, they raise the contradiction. We're now going to bring another an, a contradiction on this, where we see that Rabbi Meir seems to treat. Um, Kutim as Jews. The following discussion is based on the concept of a blood stain. We know that a woman becomes a nida, and the dam of her nida is tome. What happens if you find a blood stain on, not not on the woman, but on a cloth? So is that blood stain tome? Now remember, the dam of a nida only applies to a Jewish woman, and not to a non-Jewish woman. So you can already start to think: Are we going to treat this? If it could come from a kuti and we treat it as tahar, well then we see we're treating kutim as non-Jews. If we're going to say it's tomei, then it would be we're saying that kutim are non are Jewish. And just also another point, just not to confuse, there is a zaira that non-Jewish women are like nidos and zamos, but that's a different discussion to kutamim to these stains. Um, they do overlap, but uh, let's not get involved in that now. So he says. Any katamim, a cloth with a blood stain on that comes from Rekem is Tohor. Rekem was a town, a non Jewish town. Or if Yehuda Gairim No, Reb Yehuda says no. It's Tome because they are Gairim, they're just uh, mistaken. They, they Jews who don't keep Halacha, but they are Jews. If it comes from amongst non-Jews, if a majority of people in that town are non-Jews, well then the Ketem would be Tohor. If it comes from amongst Israel or amongst Kutim, Rebbe Meir says it's Tomei. We see here, I mean this is why we're bringing this to contradict Rebbe Meir, we see that Rebbe Meir holds that Kutim are like Jews. But Chachomim Mutarim Shaloi Nechshutu Al Kitmeim. The Chachomim say, no, you can always treat a, a Ketem as Tohor, because we don't suspect Jews of leaving the Ketomim around. Jews know that they Tome and therefore they're careful to put them away so no one becomes Tome from them. So any garment you find with a stain on it, you can assume it belongs to a non-Jew. But the point we bring in our and we see that Rabbi Meir holds that they are real converts. So Amr Rabbi Avo, so, 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 yeah, so we have a contradiction, Rabbi. It says, no, Amr Rabbi Avo, Rabbi Avo, it says, Konasu Shaknas Rabbi Meir Bamamoinam, Shelo Yitmu Ubohem. No, Rabbi Meir penalized them, well, the Chachom made a penalty against their money so that we don't 
come to mix with them, to intermarry them. I even though the Kutim were Jewish, Chachomim still came along and said, if a Jew's ox gores a non-Jew's, he does, uh, if a Jew's ox gores a Kuti's ox, he doesn't have to pay. And this is to set up boundaries, to set up distinctions. Okay, so we've resolved the contradiction. Yeah, they are real converts. Sorry, they are. Yeah, they are real converts, the Kutim. However, the Rabbonim still wanted to set up this uh, separation between the Jews and them, and therefore they said they penalized their money. Mosi, Rabbi Zahira, Rabbi Zahira challenged us. We're going to see that, we're going to see another case where Kutim are not penalized. The following girls still have a knas. The general law is if a man rapes a woman, he, a nara, not only does he pay for he has to marry her, he also pays a penalty of 50. Now, these women he can't marry, nevertheless he still pays the penalty. Who are the women? Habu al-Mamzeres, if he rapes a Mamzeres, or a Kuti. He rapes a Kuti, he has to pay 50. If you're going to tell me that Rabbi Meir holds that the Rabbonin put a penalty on Kuti's money, well then so too we should put the penalty on their money. I, if a man rapes a Kuti Nara, he shouldn't have to pay the 50 because she should be penalized. So Amr Abai Abai says, No, Kadesh lo We don't want someone who sins to gain. The second time we've seen this phrase in two daf. I mean, I don't know how many daf we haven't seen it for, now we're seeing it twice in two days. Um, but we don't want a sinner to gain. So why doesn't... So, so therefore, we're not going to let this rapist off because we want to put a penalty on the on the good. It says, Oh, the nice so then why don't you, instead of giving it to her, give it to the Aniyim? Say, oh, if a man raped a kuti, he has to give the money to the poor people. That would be a good, uh, we're penalizing the kuti and we're not letting him gain from his Havaira. He says, no, because money that's due to go to the poor people has no claimants. Why? Because, remember, any poor person who comes and says to this guy, again, we're speaking about the rapist, look, I know you owe the poor people uh, 50, you can give it to me. He says, no, no, I want to give it to a different poor person. And then another poor person comes, and he says, same thing, no, I want to give it to a different poor person. So there's no one who can actually collect the money from him, so at the end of the day, he will gain. So therefore they said he has to give it to the woman he raped. Okay, so that's, um, that's the machlokes of a Jew's ox scoring a non-Jew's ox, Hegdesh ox, and we added in a Kuti's ox, and we said the Kuti would largely depend on the discussion of how do you view a Kuti. Okay, let's go on to the next Mishnah. Shor shel pikach shenogach shor shel cheresh shoyta v'koton. If you have a pikach, in this context means a regular person, a normal competent person whose ox gores the ox of a cheresh shoyta v'koton, chayev, he is liable. For the damage his ox caused. And if it's the ox of a cheresh of a cotton that gores a pikas ox, potur, he's exempt. Why should he be potur? Because remember, he, they can't be held accountable for being responsible with their money. 
So therefore they're not going to be liable. Interesting, where do we see this? What's the source? So the Namukha Yasef brings, we're going to see a Mishnah later on, that if a Kherashot of a Katam themselves cause damage, they're exempt. How much more so if their property causes damage, they're exempt. That's the one source. I'm sure there are more sources, but another source that I saw is... Um, Is that no? The pasuk says, "V'chigov shor ish eshora ehu." When a man, a man means a, we often means a competent person, as opposed to a chereshot of a katan who is not competent, they would not be liable for the damages the ox does. So that's the first point. Very interesting. Now Rashi, let's leave it at that. We'll see it in the Gemara. Says shor shall chereshot of a katan shenogach. If the ox does go, Beisdin set up an apitropos. An apitropos would be an agent or a guardian, someone to take responsibility, and therefore they can warn the ox and testify against it before the apitropos. Obviously, you can't take a cherishot of a katan to Beisdin and say, you know, your ox. God doesn't make a difference because they're still not responsible. They're still not accountable. So they appoint an apitropos who is taken to Basin and the apitropos steps in on behalf of the owner and he accepts the testimony on behalf of them that this ox is God. The ramification, we'll see the bit ramification shortly. Um, what happens if, now, now so, so new point. Oh, no, let's go into that now quickly. Now, What's the ramification if, as I've explained it, a cherishot of a katan are not responsible, then how does it help to have an apitropos listen to the damage on the bar? Except, oh, now is a shorn word. Are, are they more responsible? And the second point is, if you're going to say that the apitropos should be responsible, well then why doesn't he step in on the first goring? Why is he accepting testimony just to make him a muad? So let's see Rashi. I mean, the Gemara, that, that's one of the things that are going to challenge the Gemara. But let's just see Rashi so we start to get the principles in our mind. It will make it easier when we get to the Gemara. So it's the first Rashi on the Mishnah, third Rashi on the page. So, Shoshachar, 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 Potter. But Gemara, Mavorish. The Ein Mamidim Apitropos, Letam Ligvos Migufa. We don't appoint an Apitropos for a short time to collect Migufa. Aval Benizkei Muad. We do appoint an apitropos again for the shore of of an orphan, but any of these people who can't take care of themselves, to be in place of the owners, to fulfill the requirements of the pasuk, and he's been warned before the masters. And you can collect from the land of the yasoimim. So. So we see that, we'll come back to the tam, but with the muad, once he's made a muad, then this apitropos is kind of acting on their behalf, to, will accept the testimony that now this ox is a muad, as if he's been warned before the owners. And <coughs> Basin will then go and take property from their land, collect from their land to pay, to pay for the damages. Aval tam. The Giviyosomi Gufa, who remember a tam, where do you collect him from? Where does the Nizak get a lean on? 
the actual animal itself, the goof of the animal. in which is movables. We don't appoint an apitropos for this. So we've got a lot of factors going on at the moment, but the two main ones are, remember, certain times based in will appoint an agent or an apitropos, an administrator, to act on behalf of someone, but that will always only be to collect from karka, from land. They're not going to appoint someone to act on behalf of these, Yosoyim, Cheroshot, Vakatan, to, um, to collect metal today. Therefore, when it comes to when a short tam does damage, even if based in two points and apitropus, he does, it's not for the aspect of collecting from the damages because they don't appoint an apitropus to, um, to collect from metal However, once the ox is a muad, then they would appoint an apitropus to collect from the land of these, of the Kherishot of Akatan or Yerushalmi. Just one more point. So it would be, so when we say that based in do appoint an apitropus, they're appointing apitropus to act on behalf of the Kherishot of Akatan to accept the warning so that it turns into a muad, but not on, on their behalf to be responsible and make sure that the money is paid. Yes. So so you can only collect from, from the tulsi, not from karka? No, no, no. From a tam, you only collect from the goof of the animal that caused the damage. And what does that So mean? that is metal. That, that if you're, that, well, firstly, the damage is limited. So, so the ox that caused, if the, the, that's where he gets, that's where he's entitled to collect from. Obviously, the mazik can say, look, I don't want to pay from that ox, I'll pay you from other property, but that's what you have a lien on, that's where your claim is attached to. You can't give him the the ox that that actually go, he can't give them. Well, that's where the the nizak has a lien to. That's the nizak's lien is on that ox. That's To a degree, that's all the nizak can collect from, is the ox. Yes, but, uh, but the Masjid can say, I'll give you the value in money. Yeah, yeah, the Masjid can, can choose. Can I give you the money in land too? I'm sure he can, yeah. I mean, the Masjid can choose how he wants to pay. Remember, that was a really early on in the Vesetta. We said, um, anything that has a monetary value. The Masjid can choose. But if he doesn't want to give, when it's a short time that goes, all he has a lean on is the ox. But if it's a, a, if it's a muad, then it's not only up to then the value not, of the yeah, Then it's not to do with the ox. Then he becomes a... Uh, he owes him for the damage and even his land would have to no, pay for that. The, the tongue, half the damage is not more than the value of what the ox is worth. Yes. Okay. Let's go into the Gomorrah. Oh, sorry. A few more lines of the Mishnah. So, yeah, so a few more lines of the Mishnah. We didn't... I didn't finish it. What happens if the Cheresh becomes normal, Nishtafa has shoyta, the shoyta becomes sane. The higdil akatan, the child grows up. Chozel and tamuset, every mayor, every mayor says it returns to being a short time. So again, you had this apitropos that accepted three warnings for this ox belonging to this cheresh shoyta akatan, and then they change their status. So now the ox is reverting from the rishus of the apitropos back to the rishus of its real owner. So Rabbi Meir says, oh, well, if that's the case, it returns to being a tam. Rabbi Yossi, Aimeh, Rabbi Yossi says, Harebu Cheskos, no, it remains with the status. As you're going to say, very simply, the Maroike says, when an ox changes ownership, do you view that it's going to change? I mean, here, they, the, the arguments you can see both ways. On the one hand, it seems to be a vicious ox, so we should still treat it as a white. On the other hand, other owners could claim, no, 
I, I would have a calming effect on it. Or I would know to take responsibility for it. You know, I was, uh, I was insane then. Whenever the ox saw me, he got edgy. Now that I'm uh, cured, the ox will be relaxed. Or now that I can watch it or take care of it properly, it's going to be relaxed. So you can see why you would say one way or the other. Okay? Now, very interesting. I'm sure I started. What about a shore of, this, of the arena, a stadium? So this would be uh, an ox, a bullfighter, an ox trained for fighting. So he says, If that ox kills, you would not, it would not be put to death. Generally, when an ox kills a person, it's put to death, it would not be put to death. Shanemar, as it says, when it gores, and not where they make it gore, not when it is pushed into goring. So in this case, you would be. Um, pardon? Even chasson an animal. Well, yeah. Um, so, so therefore, an animal trained to kill would not be liable when it when it does kill misa. Interesting. The Mishnah says it would not be liable to misa, or would it be liable for the monetary damage? That I'm not sure. It, uh, um, uh, I'm trying to remember. I think I saw the question asked, but I don't remember. Okay, hoku kasha. The Mishnah seems to be intrinsically problematic. Okay, and this is the idea we were expressing when we discussed the Mishnah. He says. We said it's a shore of a chenshot of a cotton gauze, the ox of a pikach is exempt. We see that you do not appoint a pitropos for a time to collect migufo. Aim a safer, but then the next clause he says, Shor shall cherish out of a cotton, shall knock off, based in my medium line, my pitropos, and we eat him like him if now pitropos. Based in, if you have the ox of a cherishot begotten that do go, based in a point in Apitropus, and you testify regarding the ox before the Apitropus. Seems that you are appointing an Apitropus to collect Migufo. Um. So, on the one hand, there's this agent who seems to be able to act on behalf of the owners that if this ox gores, you can collect me gufa. However, from the safer, it seems to be saying the opposite. Um, and as I pointed out, why would you make the distinction that you cannot collect from a tam, from the ox itself? Because it's metaltalin, and in general, based in don't appoint an apitropos to collect from metaltalin. That would apply the wine. Yeah, yeah, for all halachas. It says, Oh, my robber. So, robber says, No, hachi katani. This is what it's saying. Ve'im huchsaku noghon, if it establishes itself as a noghon, ma'midim lohem apitropos, you appoint an apitropos. Umayidim lohem bifna apitropos, umajvinen lehumuad, you appoint, you warn it before the apitropos and you make and you and then they can make the oxen into a muad. And therefore when it then goes, let's say a fourth time, he now gets paid Mealia, the Apitropos will act on their behalf and they will confiscate land to pay for it. Um so we see there's two, just, you know, just to highlight, there's two aspects to this. Well, firstly, there's the basic, there's two aspects to the apitropos, and there's two aspects to why then it can work by a muad to collect. 
the two aspects on the apitropos is one is an apitropos to fulfill the requirement of the possible when you're warning the ox every time an ox calls it has to be warned and that is because of, and before the owners it says you warn the owners the possible says so the, that's the one level of apitropos he can act on that behalf and that Rabba says that's the level the apitropos can do the second thing is can the apitropos act on behalf of the owners that you can collect land from him and you definitely can't go to a Kherashat of a Kotan and say, pay up, because they're not obligated to. But can you go to the Apitropos, who based in a point Apitropos on that behalf of that? So we say, yes, for Karka, but not for Metaltele. And now when we jump back to, to our mission, and our mission makes sense. When you have an Apitropos accepting the warnings, not to make payment. When it becomes a Muad, well then you have both these factors. You have in the Apitropos that has accepted a warning, so it's a sure Muad. You have... And you have him as an apitropos that is now acting on behalf to collect from land. So therefore, um, you can pay. The one reason why would the Rabbanon make such a xayra? So to keep society functioning. Imagine if any mana who owned, land, uh, owned property doesn't have to worry at all about it. Because any harm it does is not responsible. So they still appoint an apitropos to push a level of responsibility. Again, that's the apitropos, as we're going to see it, almost comes out. The apitropos is almost doing a favor, saying he'll do what he can to make sure that they're looking off, they're being responsible with their property. Um, Who pays the apitropos to do it? I think he does it as a favor. That's why I'll base and appoint him, and he does it as a favor. We're going to see at the bottom of the page, therefore you can't put too much responsibility on him, because then he'll say, you know, it's not worth my while. Um, yeah, let's see a little bit further. So, Rabbi Yocha, um, Me'elias Man, who's Ali are you paying from? This is the exact question. Is it the Apitropos who now has to pay for the damage when it's a Muad? Because he's the one responsible for it. Again, you can't expect the Kherishat of to be responsible, but you can expect Apitropos. Um, or is it the Aliyah of the Yasoimim? The Kherishat Vakatan, do you go to, do you attach their property to pay? But so Rabbi Yochanan, Amem Alias Yosemim, Rabbi Yosim, Rabbi Chanina, Amem Alias Apitropos. Rabbi Yochanan says it's from the assets of the Yosemim, and Rabbi Yosim, Bar Chanina says it's from the assets of the Apitropos. Umi Amem Rabbi Yochanan, Hachi, did Rabbi Yochanan really say such a thing? You never attach a, a um, you never go and take the assets of orphans to pay off debts, etc., unless ribis is consuming them. If they have a debt and you can say, look, they're orphans, we're not going to do anything about it, wait till they grow up. The interest on the debt, obviously we're dealing with they lent to non-Jews or something, where non-Jews lent their money, the interest on the debt is going to consume the whole estate. So therefore you appoint an apitropos to collect. Rabbi Yochanan Omer, Rabbi Yochanan says, Either for the star that has ribis, or for a Ksubis Isha because of the Mazoinus. A woman can eat from the estate until she's paid out her Ksuba. 
So if we're never going to take from the orphans to pay off her ksuba, she's going to be eating, getting all her expenses paid off the estate till they grow up and can decide to pay it themselves. So that's not... So therefore, because of that, um, because of that, um, Rabbi Yochanan says, you can appoint an apitropos to act on their behalf, take some and pay off their land to pay off either a debt with ribus or ksubus issue because of mazoinas. But what do we see here? In the first point, we said Rabbi Yochanan said that you pay for nazikin. You would appoint an apitropos to pay from nazikin. And here we see that Rabbi Yochanan would say no, only for ribus or ksubus issue, a debt with ribus. So April, switch it around. Rabbi Yochanan, Omar, may alias apitropos, apitropsin. Rabbi Yochanan was, was the one who says, you can collect from the apitropos. And Rabbi Yosi was the one who says, for Nazikin, you pay from the you pay from the assets of the orphans. Now it fits. Rabbi Yochanan says you never pay from the assets of the orphans except for the two cases. And therefore Nazikin, that would be when the, when the Torah says that you can collect for Nazikin, it must be from the assets of the apitropos. So Omar of Mishum, the Kashi Rebiyachan, Rebiyachan, and Mashi Slail, Rebiyasi, Rebichanina Toy. What? Because of the Kashi you have on Rebiyachan, you're going to come along and make Rebichanina, make Rebiyasi, Rebichanina, make a mistake. For all Rebiyasi, Barchanina, Dayono, the Nochas Lum Kedadin. Rebiyasi, Barchanina was a, a judge. And he always went to the core of the matter, to the depth of the law. And therefore, he would never hold you go after Nichsei Yisoyim. Interesting, Rabbi Yochanan was a great Amora. We see we're okay with saying that Rabbi Yochanan would hold that, but we're not okay with saying that Rabbi Yosef, Rabbi Chanina would say that. But for whatever reason, we really, really, Rava says, it cannot be that Rabbi Yosef, Rabbi Chanina holds attach the assets and collect from the assets of the orphans. Um, so again, we, we brought a cash in Rabbi Yochanan. On the one hand, Rabbi Yochanan says you never collect from orphans except for a, do- a loan with Ribis and so and Ksubis Isha because of Mazonis. And then, but we just said, but in the previous, the Bryce before that, we said that Rabbi Yochanan holds you can collect from Nazikin. So we wanted to switch it around and say, okay, it must be Rabbi Chanina who says that you collect from the assets of the orphans. And Rabbi Yochanan for for Nizikin, and Rabbi Yochanan is the one who says from the assets of the Apitropos. But he says it's impossible to say that Rabbi Yosef, Rabbi Chanina would have said that. So don't switch around, and you just have to say that a mazik for damages is different. Generally, Rabbi Yochanan holds you cannot collect from the assets of your soimim. However, for Nizikin you can. And as maybe it's the same as far as we said above. It's just not functional to have a society. Oh, we're going to see Rabbi Yochanan's reason, the reason behind each of them, why you should... Is it better to make it that you're collecting from the orphans, or is it better to make it that you're collecting from the apitropos? But I think added to that is, you have to say there's some level of collection for nazikin for the functioning of society. Um, Can you collect from the apitropos? It's not his responsibility. Well, it is his responsibility, that's why he's the apitropos. He's not being paid. He's not. Yeah, okay, so let's see. Um, 
Yeah. Okay, let's see a bit further. Just the Nimukayosef answer asks an interesting question. He says that here we open to the idea that you appoint an Apitropos who has to base it. I mean, his job is, okay, we said there are two levels of Apitropos. The one level of Apitropos is, but, but at the end of the, is to just accept the testimony to what of our love. And the second level is that act as Apitropos to collect payment. And then we're playing around, okay, does he pay or do, the, or do we pay from the orphan's property? Um, but either way, we see when it comes to the property of the Apitropos, we appoint, uh, we're fine with appointing a, um, an Apitropos. Later on in the Masechta, where we discuss the Cherishot of Akatan themselves causing the damage, we don't ever suggest appointing an Apitropos. Why not? So the answer is very interesting. I thought it was quite like what's reasonable and what's practical. So it's to appoint an Apitropos to make sure that their property's guarded. I, oh, you have an ox, let's make sure the paddocks is secure, let's make sure it's kept there. Now that's fine. Because that you kind of set up and then it's good. And you check on it once in a while, something like that. But where it's dealing with the person himself, you can't expect an apitropos to take care 24-7 of this person, this cherishot v'kadon, to make sure that they don't do damage. So it's not reasonable, it's not worthwhile, whereas by the property, it is worthwhile. Okay, something to look into a bit more, but I thought that was quite an interesting distinction he's making. Okay, let's go back to where we were. So where we're holding at the moment is we have a machloikes, Rabbi Yochlan, Rabbi Yochlan, when we say that we pay mina aliyah, I, someone's paying for this damage that the Shormua did. Is it a contrary to the orphans? Or is it a contrary to Why? And we're going to ask now, why a contrary to the Is it the orphans? And why, according to Rabbi Yosi, Rabbi Khanina, is it the Apitropos? So Rabbi Yochanan, Omer Ma'alias Yosoyman. Rabbi Yochanan says it's, you pay from the orphans. Why? The Eo Ma'alias Apitropos. If you're going to say, make the Apitropos pay, Mimnum below Abdi, he will never do this. He'll never accept the responsibility of being an Apitropos. Rabbi Yosi, Rabbi Khanina, Omer Ma'alias Apitropos. No, you collect from the assets of the Apitropos. However, when they grow up, the Apitropos can collect from them. So at the moment, you can't collect from them. That's because, again, as we know, you can't collect from the assets of an orphan except for a loan which has interest. But when they grow up, then you can collect from them. So again, I think they're playing with this, this idea that we're discussing. He's doing it as a favor. You're right, it comes with prestige. That's the thing. Based in trust you and give you the responsibility to take care of these orphans and their property, that's the schus. It's, uh, it's, not, uh, it's not a financial uh, ve- uh, worthwhile venture, but it's for the prestige and you're doing a favor. You're helping, you're helping out these orphans. Um, so therefore, Rabbi Yochanan says, well, if you're going to put too much resource, if you're going to put the liability on him, he's never going to do this. Whereas Rabbi Yosef Rabbi Hanina says, no, um, and to be honest, what I like about Rabbi Yosef Rabbi Hanina is, if he has no responsibility, why would he take responsibility? Why? Because he's, I guess you can say, because he's going to lose his prestige, I guess. If you're, if you're responsible for the orphans and all of a sudden their oxes are goring and this and that and they're losing money, you're going to lose your status. You were, you were known as a responsible, reliable person that Beijing could ask to take care of this, and clearly you're not. 
So maybe that's why. But also Rabbi Yossi and Rabbi Hanina has a good balance. He says, because you take responsibility, because if you don't, you're going to have to pay. Or if you're going to have to pay, you're never going to take on that such a responsibility. No, in the orphan's graph, then you can. Um, so they both have a little bit of a check and a balance to make sure. But that's the Machlokes, Rabbi Yochanan and Rabbi Yossi and Rabbi Hanina. Okay, let's carry on to the next clause. Um, we appoint um, Apitropos for a time to collect Migufo. Tanaihi, that point is actually a Machlokis Nam. Again, our Mishnah said you don't. Our Mishnah said we do not appoint an Apitropos that can collect from a tam. Again, we said because the tam is metaltin and you never collect from a metaltin. That's a Machlokis Nam. Why? The Tanya, as we learned in a bright source, Shenis Kharsho. What happens if you have an ox whose owner became a cheresh or his owner became a shoite? Can't owner can't become a, t- a katan? I mean, we always say cheresh of a katan, but you can't have someone who's 13 becoming 12 again. So it's only relevant to someone who could become a deaf mute or could become a a shoiter. So, or they went overseas, and then obviously there, Yehuda ben Nakusa, I remember Omar Sumchas, Yehuda ben Nakusa says the name of Sumchas, Harehu betamusa ad sheyoidu ba bifnei balim. It remains a tam until you warn the owners. V'chachomim oibrim ma'amidim lahem apitropos, or ma'amidim bohem bifnei apitropos. You appoint an apitropos, and you warn before the apitropos. What happens, nispapeh, nis what happens? Second case, if you have a cheresh becomes competent, uh, becomes normal again, and a shoite becomes sane, and the child grows up, or the owners return from overseas, Yehuda ben Akusa Omer Sumchas, Yehuda ben Akusa says name of Sumchas, Chazar letamusa, it returns to being a tam, until it's worn before its owners. And Rabbi Yossi Oimer Harehu Bechezkoso. And Rabbi Yossi says it remains in its current status. Now, well, the first point we're going to go into is Yehuda Ben Akusa, what he said in the name of Sumchas doesn't seem to line up. In the first, in the Rasha, he said, Harehu Betamusa, it remains a tam. Harehu Betamusa. In the second clause, it says it reverts to being a tam. Now, which you can't have both. You can't have that it remains a tam, either the warnings, etc., are ineffective. And then it reverts because it has to be able to become a muad to revert to being a tam. So that's what it says. Omru, my harehu betamusa to kama sumchas. They ask, what does it mean? What does sumchas mean when he says it remains a tam? If you want to tell me that it can't be warned at all. Well, the sefer said, if it returns to being a tam, that implies. It can become a muad. Elamai, harehu betamusa. What does it mean? It is a tam. Harehu betmimus taloi mechasrin lei. What it means is, it remains, not it remains a short tam, it remains tmimus, it remains whole that you haven't detracted from it. What do we mean we haven't detracted from it? Because where, if you're collecting from a tam, just to visualize it, you're cutting out pieces of the animal to pay for the damages. So this tam remains bitmimuso deloy mechasrinay. He says, Alma ein ma midi ma pitropos le tam ligvois mikufo. 
We see that you don't appoint a Apitropos to collect Migufo. The Chachomim Oimrim, the Chachomim say, Mamidim Lehem Apitropos, Umeirim Lehem Bifnei Apitropos, Alma Mamidim Apitropos, Letam Ligvois Migufo. So again, you heard of Enochus in the name of Tsumchus is saying, this art, it can become Muad. We see that from the Sefer because it says, Vechazar Letamusa, it returns to its status. So that's, it clearly can become a Muad. So you do appoint an Apitropos. So what does it mean when it says we don't appoint an apitropus? What does it mean when we say it does not? It remains a tam. We mean it remains whole. We don't. This is like our Mishnah. We don't appoint an apitropus to, that you can collect from the short tam, which implies when the Chachamims come along and say we do appoint an apitropus, they are saying even to collect from the short tam. Says the safer but my kavitzliki. What are they arguing in the Sefer? Again, the Sefer's case was when the owner returns from overseas or the child grows up or the Cheresh becomes regular or the becomes able to speak in here again or the Shoita becomes sane and Sumcha says it returns to its Tamus and the Chachomi and Rabbi Yossi says that it, rem- it remains in its state. Chazoka, so he says, They're arguing in, does change of jurisdiction change the state? Just because of a change of jurisdiction, it doesn't change the status, it remains a, it remains a muad. We learned in a braisa. If you have a shore belonging to a cheresh hoyt of a cotton that calls, Rabbi Yaakov Meshalim Chatsi Nezek, Rabbi Yaakov would pay half damages. Rabbi Yaakov, what did Rabbi Yaakov do? Why does he have to pay half damages? He says, no, Ella Eimer rather say as follows, Rabbi Yaakov, Oimer Meshalim Chatsi Nezek. Rabbi Yaakov says you pay half damages. So again, a shore of a cheresh hoyt of a cotton that calls, Rabbi Yaakov says you pay half damages. Now, Basically, Tosos points out, and what underlies, underlies understanding Rabbi Yaakov is, if we speak generally, when we just speak about an ox scoring, it must be, it's a short term. Yeah. So if I tell you, if I, if I ask you, what's your liability for a short term, you, but you're not going to bother saying that, you're just going to say chayev, and I know that it's half damages. So when Rabbi Yaakov comes along and says, in this case you pay half damages, it must be a case I would have thought otherwise. Otherwise he's not teaching me anything. Yeah. So it can't be a tam. So that's, that, that's what we're going to come to. He says, but Maskin, what are we dealing with? If you're going to tell me we're talking about a tam that goes, well, everyone holds its half damages. So we don't need Rabbi Yaakov comes along and says half damages. Says the Iba Muad, Ida Abdila Shmirak. Now if you're gonna tell me it's a muad, Iba Muad. So let's say we're dealing with muad. Ida Abdila Shmirak Klal Klal Loboilashume. If he did guard it, or maybe Shmirak Klal he guarded it a little bit uh, at all, Loboilashume, he would not have to pay. If he did not guard it, well then he should have to do 
Then he should have to be liable to full damages. So what's his case? We're talking about a case where a sure muad cause, and Rabbi Yaakov says you only pay half damages. We're struggling with that. If he left it running around, well, then he should be liable to full damages. If he locked it up, well, then he should be exempt. So oh, my Rav, Rav says, no, we're actually talking about a muad. And what's the case here? He did a means a, a lowly a entry level, a basic guarding, and he didn't do a good guarding. Now this is going to be a machlokes later on. What level of guarding do you have to do for your animals before you're liable? Shmira pachus is not no guarding. It's basically you put it in a in a it's barn and you lock the door. That's a shmira pachusa. But if there's a regular, a fairly, it's, it's just going to survive like a ruach mitzuya, regular occurrence. But if it's required shmira mu'ulia, that would be something that can stand up against, uh, excuse me, an unusual occurrence. Now, what difference does it make? And how does this help us that you've done a shmira pachusa? So we're going to bring in three factors that line up. Okay, so for Rabbi Yaakov, Sobolok, Rabbi Yehuda. First fact is that Rabbi Yaakov holds like Rabbi Yehuda in the following halach to Omar, Sad Tamus bim koimo omenes. That Sad Tamus remains in its place. Aye. Even, this is a very interesting opinion of Rabbi Yehuda, that even when you hire for a Shor Muad, really what you hire for is a Tam and the additional half damages as a Muad. Which means that there might be a time where you can only, this is what you're going to bring up, but there's a time where you could, even if it's a short muad, there might be a context where you can only make it liable for the short term aspect of it. Or there might be a time when you're only liable to the, as, the muad aspect of it, as we're going to see now. It says the sovereign, so that's the first point. He holds like Rabbi Yehuda that you've got the sad tamus. Remember, whenever we speak about sad tamus, we're saying that even though it's now a muad, there's the initial half that you liable because it's a tam, and now you're liable to an additional half because it's a muad. So it's sad tam will spin That's the first point. Second point for Sovalok Rebuda to Omar Muad Sagilo Bashmira Pukhusa. Rebuda holds a muad only needs a shmira pukhusa. Now that's very interesting. So now let's just tie this back to what Robert said. You did a shmira pukhusa, but not a shmira mu'ula. So regarding this, that it's a shor muad, you're exempt because you've done a shmira pachusa, you've done a basic level of shmira, which is all you're required to do, and therefore you're exempt if your muad damages. But regarding the tam, well, that needs the sovaloka rabbonan to omri mam, and regarding the tam, you need a good damage. The sovaloka rabbonan to omri mam, minimat apitropans, let tam lig voice migufo, and he holds like rabbonan of this last price that we hold. That a short time collects Mikufa. That you can appoint an apitropos of a cotton to collect for a short time Mikufa. So now all these three factors line up perfectly. Again, Rabbi Yaakov said you pay, remember this was the, the starting point was Rabbi Yaakov says you pay half damages. We said it can't be a short time because everyone agrees with that that's nothing new. Must be we speaking about a short muad. So why, when do you get a case that the short muad According to Rabbi Yaakov, he's going to pay 
of a cherry shot to cotton, because remember that's this case, he's going to pay off damages. As I said, we need the three factors to line up. First factor is he holds like Rebbe Yehuda, that side, Tamus Kum Kamo Meret. You set, there's two parts that you're liable for in this ox, that it's a Tam and that it's a Muad. Half of, each of those are half damages. Second aspect is that, according to Rebbe, he holds like Rebbe Yehuda, that a short Tam needs Shmira Mu'ula and a short Muad means Shmira Pchusa. So now that you've done Shmira Pchutza, you're only liable on the Tam aspect. Oh, can, a, can you claim damages from a Tam for, for, from a Kherashot of a Katan on a Tam? Yes, according to the Rappon and in the previous price, based in a point and Apitropos, to collect even in the case of a short time. So these three factors line up to give us a case where Rabbi Yaakov holds that a cherish of a cotton would pay chatin as a connoisseur word. Omalea Baya Baya says to Rabbi, says, Below Kligi, are you telling me Rabbi Yaakov and Rabbi Huda don't argue for hot tanya? We learned in a brisa. Shoshal cherish of a cotton shenoga, Rabbi Huda Machaya, Rabbi Yaakov, chatin as a kumushalim. We learned in another brisa that if you have a shore of a cherish of a cotton, that go Rabbi Huda says you're liable, and Rabbi Yaakov says you're only liable to half damage. <coughs> So they clearly do seem to argue. We just explained that Rabbi Yaakov agrees to Rabbi Yehuda, but now we see that Rabbi Yehuda says, would say, in the case where Rabbi Yaakov says half damages, Rabbi Yehuda would say full damages. So they argue. So it's not Omar, Rabbi Yehuda, Ma'ashem Achayev, Rabbi Yehuda, Pirish Rabbi Yaakov. No, Rabbi Yaakov's just coming to explain. He's not coming to... No, Rabbi Yaakov's just coming to explain it. Um... Yeah, Rabbi Yehuda comes along and says, Yuchayev, and Rabbi Yaakov says, what does Rabbi Yehuda mean? Half damages. That's Rava. Now we go back to Abayah, to Abayah, to Omar Pligi, my Pligi, according to Abayah that they're arguing, what would be the case that Rabbi Yaakov says it's half damages, and Rabbi Yehuda says it's full damages, because it can't be a case of a Tamur Amuad, Bashmira Pchusa, as Rabbi Yehuda would agree, it's half, half damages. And it can't be where there's no Shmira, because then Rabbi Yaakov would agree that you pay full damages if there's no Shmira. So, so where would Rabbi Yaakov, where would be the case that Rabbi Yehuda holds you paying full damages and Rabbi Yaakov holds you paying half damages? So he says, Yeah, but my plea, what are they going no, we're dealing in a case of a muad where you did not guard it at all. Rabbi Yaakov sovelok Rabbi Yaakov holds like Rabbi Yehuda in one halacha, but he argues with Rabbi Yehuda on another halacha. Remember, we had three three aspects that had to line up. So, and two of those were from Rabbi Yehuda. So we're saying he agrees to Rabbi Yehuda in one of those aspects, and he argues with Rabbi Yehuda in the second aspect. Let's see which one's which. The Gemara will tell it. We'll lay it out for us. So, uh, Rabbi. Um, he agrees with Rabbi Yehuda that Sad Tamus Bim Koymameres, I that we view this ox as two different halves. It's a half Tam and a half Muad, and you can be liable for them independently. And he argues with Rabbi Yehuda on one of them. Rabbi Yehuda holds that you can appoint a, an apitropos to collect from the goof of the time, and Rabbi Yaakov argues on that. Therefore, and therefore he's only going to be paying on the half that's a muad. So according to Rabbi Yehuda, this ox that we're viewing as a half time half muad, 
Well, on both of those, you appoint a antitropist to collect from. So that's why Rabbi holds full damages. Comes along Rabbi Yaakov, and he says, no, you can't appoint an apitrophist to collect from the tam half. You can only appoint the apitrophist to collect from the muad half. So it's half damages. Um, says, I'm very happy with, I, I wonder if it's his father or if it's a different Abaya. But he says, they argue, it all makes sense that you can... Um, appoint an apitropos for a tam. Aye? And there, why? Because then when Rabbi Yaakov says half damages, he's going on the muad half. But according to Rava, who said that Rabbi Yaakov and Rabbi Yehuda did not argue. Remember, he said Rabbi Yaakov, who says half damages, is explaining what Rabbi Yehuda meant when he said Chayev. Why do you have to learn it as a muad? Learn it is a tam. Why? Because a tam, because you can just go back a step. Instead of saying it's a muad, and why are you only liable to half? Because. So really, Yaakov says it's half and half, isn't it? Half time and half muad. No, oh, sorry, he, yeah, so it's half time and a half. Yeah, there is that half time and half muad. And he said it's where you did a shmira pachusa, a partial parting, and therefore you're exempt on the muad part, but five on the tam part. Why not just learn it as a tam? Why say it's a muad? You know, why come on to that? So, El le Rebbe Yehuda to Avad Leishmira Pufusa, Velo Avad Leishmira Mu'ula. Yo, if you want to tell me that we're going in Rebbe Yehuda, who holds it's where you did a Shmira Pufusa and not a Shmira Mu'ula. Il Rebbe Yaakov, Le Rebbe Ben Yaakov, or you want to go in another opinion. Sorry, yo. Just to introduce this. Um, the, this next point is that this that I said, what level of guarding is required? So according to Rabbi Yehuda, a tam requires shmira mu'ula and a muad shmira pchusa, and therefore if you do a shmira mu'ula you exempt on the muad but chayav on the tam. That's Rabbi Yehuda's opinion. There's also Rabbi Lezer ben Yaakov who holds that you always only need shmira pchusa. So therefore e um, if you learn it according to Rabbi Yehuda and it's a case where he did a Shmira Pusa and not a Shmira Mu'ula or according to Rabbi Yehuda ben Yaakov it could be a case where you didn't do it would have to be a case where you didn't do any guarding at all if whether it's a tam or whether it's a muad, if you did a shmira pechusa, you potur. And this is really so. Yeah, you're right. It could be either way. Um, Rabbi Yaakov's not focusing on that point. Either way, we have a case where you will be chayev for half damages. And what Rabbi Yaakov really wanted to come and teach us was, You appoint an apitropos to collect a tam mikufo.
آملای هاکی که آمار You know, I think let's leave it here. I'm just a little bit confused. I lost, uh, I lost my train of thought. It's a pity because we're nearly finished the sugya, but it's, it'll be, it's, it's already been a long shoot. So I'll, I'll clarify tomorrow, and then we will um, finish up the sugya. <coughs>